our sermon for the week of December 10th, 2023, the second Sunday in Advent, is taken from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. And the theme of our sermon is God's advice to those waiting for heaven. From 2 Peter chapter 3. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be dissolved as they burn with great heat, and the earth and what was done on it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be, living in holiness and godliness, as you look forward to and hasten the coming of the day of God? That day will cause the heavens to be set on fire and destroyed, and the elements to melt as they burn with great heat. But according to his promise, we look forward to new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, as you look forward to these things, make every effort to be found in peace, spotless and blameless in his sight. The word of the Lord. Two men sat in a foxhole looking out over a hillside that separated them from the enemy. It was winter in Germany. And the Black Forest wasn't the warmest place to be. One of them was a fresh-faced 17-year-old who lied to get into the service and was new to the war. The other had been fighting since almost the beginning of the Western Campaign. Because of their different levels of experience, their hours in the foxhole, they looked very different than each other. The younger man was hyper-attentive, ready to pull the trigger at a moment's notice. In fact... There would be many times in his first few weeks when he thought he had heard the enemy and nearly fired, giving away their position because of his restlessness and his worry. But the more experienced man next to him had his own share of problems. He had been stationed in the same place for months now, and they had seen not even one single German scout come over the ridge. His complacency led him to lose focus on the task at hand and get distracted. And sometimes he would even doze off to sleep. Now waiting for something without a tracking number or an estimated delivery date, it can be difficult. We don't know when it's going to come, so it's easy to get stressed out or completely forget about it altogether. Does the same thing happen as we wait for Jesus' second coming? Do we at times become restless from all the waiting? Do we at other times get complacent and turn to something else? Today's sermon is a little different than most of our sermons. Usually the whole sermon is for the whole congregation. But today God's word is really addressing two different groups of people. Maybe you feel like you're part of one of those groups right now more than the other. Maybe you feel like you can't stop bouncing back and forth between one group and the other group. Either way, God is talking to you here a person who is not going to have the easiest time waiting for Jesus to return. To the first group, I want to tell you a story. There was an elderly woman who had been driving home from her card group when she got into a pretty serious crash. The doctors told her she was lucky to be alive, but she knew that luck had nothing to do with it. 
The fact that she had so many broken bones, so many scrapes and bruises, so many near misses of major injuries to internal organs, she knew God's hand had brought her through this. She was thankful. But in the back of her mind, she also harbored some anger. Over the previous three years, she had lost two adult children and her husband. Her home was now empty, and there weren't many loved ones to call, as there had been before. Her prayers had certainly taken a turn from praying for peace and healing to praying that the Lord would just take her home to heaven already. She knew her Savior, but she wondered why she was having to wait so long to see him. We can all understand what this woman was going through. And who could blame her? She just wanted to go home. She was just holding on to God and his promises. Jesus tells his disciples, though, that he's going to come back. Of course, believers should expect him to come back. But he doesn't say when. Instead, Peter tells us, the day of the Lord will come like a thief no one knows when it's going to happen. Could it be today, tomorrow, 3,000 years from now? We don't know. And all of this doesn't get easy when we hear Peter add to it saying, For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God's time is different than our time. He's eternal. And he operates outside of time as you and I know it. But for us, a day is a day, and a thousand years are a thousand years. Because our time is different than God's time, it makes our waiting really hard. It's hard for kids waiting for that next school break. It's hard for grandma and grandpa to wait for a visit from that loved one traveling from a distance. It's hard to wait for retirement or for the hard-earned vacation. But back to the woman waiting for heaven. Sometimes the hardest thing to wait for is God's promise of eternity to be fulfilled. Do you long for the last day? Are you one of those people that this per first part of the sermon is preached to? And maybe you expect this group of people to be those who feel the pain and the loss that often comes late in life. And your body doesn't work like it once did. And many people that you care for have gone home and left you behind. But it's not just the bedridden 95-year-old who feels this way. It might be the person of any age who deals with depression and anxiety. It might be the person who looks at the ways of the world and is disgusted and angered. Do you long for the last day? Who could blame you? But that patient waiting can turn into sinful restlessness pretty quickly. Why do we have to wait? Why does God not give us what he's promised right away? Is he making us earn it? Well, that's not what Peter writes here. He says the Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God's timing is clearly not our timing. We rush to this thing or to that thing because our days and years are short. But God works slowly and patiently for the good of his people. His patience gives the sinful world time for repentance. It gives us time for repentance. 
I think we've all had times where we needed to blow off some steam before we could think about what had happened and admit our guilt. And sometimes God leading us to recognize our sinfulness and repent takes a long time. God is patient because he is loving. But can you find patience in God's timing not being your timing? As I said before, it's not always so easy. We wonder why God is delaying Judgment Day, why we're here when we would much rather be there. But you know that God's timing is perfect. You see that perfect timing in Him waiting for the exact day to send His Son, that perfect moment to rescue the world from sin. You see that perfect timing in your life as God placed you into the family he did so that they would be a blessing to you and you would be a blessing to them. You see that perfect timing in those troubling situations that one day you look back on and say, yeah, the Lord knew what he was doing. And if his timing has always been perfect in the past, you know that his plan to bring you home might not make sense to you right now, but it's what's best for you and for God's kingdom as a whole. And as you wait with patience, what does the voice of God through the pen of Peter tell you? Therefore, dear friends, as you look forward to these things, make every effort to be found in peace, spotless and blameless in his sight. God's call to you is not to sit by the door like a lonely dog waiting for the master to come back. It's to be found in peace. And where do we find our peace? Our peace doesn't come from the comfort, comforts of life. It's not about having money or feeling healthy and strong or even being in a good place emotionally. Our peace comes from the one who makes us spotless and blameless. It comes from our sure hope in our Redeemer, Jesus. Your waiting might be hard. But don't get restless. Christ has made you righteous. Heaven is yours. Wait patiently for God's perfect plan to play out. But now to the other group listening, I've got a story for you too. There was a young man who, who had it all. He had the good-paying job, the big house, the wife and kids. And everything he did was in service to giving his wife, his kids, and himself everything that they could ever ask for. Now, he and his wife, they had grown up in the church, but family time and golf had eaten up most of their free time, including their Sunday mornings. They planned to start going back one day, but they just had too much going on right now. Then, everything turned upside down when his little daughter got sick. The doctors said there was little they could do for her. She had months, maybe weeks. You can imagine how this young man's world crumbled in an instant. He thought he had provided his kids everything that they could have ever needed. But now he felt so helpless, so powerless, so focused on all the wrong things. Now let's not pretend that 2,000 years is a short time to wait. You probably get distracted after waiting 15 minutes for something. No, it's a long time to wait. And as you wait for something you know is coming, 
but don't know when, the other alternatives start coming to mind. You start thinking about all the pleasures that the world is holding right out to you. And the thing is, you don't have to wait for them. You can have them right now. How easy it is to slip into the mentality that we should live the way we want now and we'll start listening to God when we get closer to Jesus coming, when it becomes more convenient. We've had to wait this long already. What are the chances that he comes back soon? But what does Peter say? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In the end, everything will be laid bare. The imagery Peter uses here speaks of God using fire to purify the world of sin. All the worthless things we thought were so important will be shown for what they are. All our sins and our false priorities will be shown as utter stupidity. And even the gospel will be laid bare. And it won't be revealed as foolishness, like everything else. It will be laid bare as the most simple yet most important truth. There will be no other things that matter. This transformation, it sounds intimidating. But this is the remade creation. Never again to deal with pain and anger and death. It's the remaking of our sin-scarred bodies so that the traumas of life that shake us up like snow globes never touch us again. I asked last week what it is that makes Christmas special. But maybe the question that we should wrestle with this week is what really matters in life? Don't get complacent in your wait for the Lord's reappearing. Don't be found chasing after all those meaningless things that, that serve your ego or serve your pocketbook. Instead, focus yourself on waiting for that which will bring you true and lasting transformation. There is no better gift than taking in the promises of God, than hearing them and digesting them. This is helpful when we're tempted to stop waiting because we think life just has too much to offer. This is helpful when we're tempted to give up the weight because heaven is not coming fast enough. God promises to come to bring you home. And he promises that when he comes, you will be found spotless and blameless in Christ. Amen.